right? Seriously, that was awesome. You may not know this, our video team actually put that compelling story together and it paints just the perfect metaphor for the series we're entering this weekend called Break the Mold. And so I want to thank you for choosing to be here this weekend, whether you're a guest or regular attender, and I'm hoping that God will do great things in all of our lives as we dig through this world that we live in and how we tend to live and seek to transform ourselves to how he wants us to live. Break the mold. As is usual, our creative team did a terrific job finding a a video picture of the problem that most of us face in living our lives. And though it might not be obvious on the front end to you, I think on the back end it will be that this is a picture how most of us really do go through our lives. See if you can relate. All right, let's meet our contestants who only moments ago were taken from our studio audience. Let's bring out Anson Bench, Dan Potban. Now remember, everyone is in on the joke except for Dan and our studio audience. Welcome, gentlemen. You all know the rules. We start off with the blitz round where I'll ask 10 questions. First one to buzz in gets to choose whether or not they answer that question, pass it to one of their opponents, bank the question for the quick cash round, or they can choose blitz. If you choose blitz, then you have 30 (laughs) seconds to answer all of the remaining questions. If you get them all right, you immediately move into the golden round. But if you miss even one of them, you'll hear... That's right. That buzzer means that you've now lost all your points, double your points, triple your points. If at any time during the blitz round you hear this buzzer... Your opponents can challenge you by calling out challenge. But they have to do it before you call out no challenge. And you cannot challenge when you hear this buzzer... Because that buzzer means we're in the... Golden round. That's right. That buzzer signifies the golden round where all questions double in value. And one of you will get the chance to go for the big money in the super golden round. You each have your silver card. Hold on tight to that because you can use that card once to unblitz an opponent. Let's hear the unblitz buzzer. If you successfully unblitz him, you'll get all his points and his silver card, at which point you can use that silver card to unblitz your other opponent, stealing both his points and his silver card. All right, our first question. In what state would you find the Mitchell Corn Palace? Anson has buzzed in. North Dakota. Boy, so close. No, it is not North Dakota. Dan is buzzing in. I'll say South Dakota. South Dakota is absolutely right, Dan. Nicely done. We award you, of course, 1,000 points. You have jumped into the lead that quickly. Anson has buzzed in. I'd like to unblitz. He's unblitzing and taking the $1,000. We moved the $1,000 over to Anson. Anson, you have $1,300. Chris, you get... Yes. You want to use the silver card? Yeah. You take $500. We award $500 to Chris. Yes, Dan is going to use this card. 100 points, Dan, for coming in late with the silver card. We're going to buzz in for mystery numbers. Hands up and now. Yeah, Dan has buzzed in very quickly. Dan, I'm holding three cards, an A, a B, and a C. Tell me which card you'd like to go with. B. Yeah, 15,000 points. That's the absolute maximum. Anson has buzzed in. I'd like to blitz his B card. He's going to blitz the B card. We have no choice, Dan, but to award Anson the 15,000 points. That gives you a total of 17,850. That's a money flip on the three buzzers. And scramble 1,000, 3,000, 19,000. Chris. No challenge, Pat. No challenge from Anson. Chris, you've been blocked, and we go to Dan. Dan has buzzed in at minus 7,000. What do you want to do, Dan? I want to win. You want to win? (laughs) All right. 
blitz. Anson has come in. Unblitz Chris. Unblitz Chris. No card for the rest of the game. No card for the rest of the game. That's right. You can freeze there. Dan. I'd like to take all their cards and all their points. You cannot, after two moves, take the silver card. Okay. That's against the rules. How are you feeling at this point, gentlemen? Really confused. A little bit confused? Seriously. That's a lot like life, isn't it? I mean, we, we're placed on this planet and we're given the assignment to live. And we have absolutely no clue what we're doing. We don't know why we're there, how we got there, what we're supposed to do with it. And so what we do is the best we can. We just look at everybody else and hit the beeper when they're hitting the beeper and give answers when they're giving answers and copy everybody. But, but we know when we look in the mirror that our eyes look just like Dan's did in that show. That guy was confused. That is like life. We, we do our best to fit in. We do our best to live it. But in truth, we're clueless. We're, we're flying blind. We're guessing our way through life. Truth be known, we feel like dust in the wind. And it's because there is this problem that all of us face in life, whether we care to acknowledge it, whether we agree with it or not, whether we ever come to the place where we can humbly admit it or not, this problem defines the journey for most of us. It always defines the journey until we recognize it and then take corrective measures with it. And this is the problem. By nature, we're lost. We're literally lost. We have no clue what life is about ultimately. We have no clear purpose in life and no clear direction in life. We're caught up in a huge metaphorical wood and we don't know our way out. We're just lost. God says it very clearly. He actually defines the problem for us all the way through the Bible, but a very clear place in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6. He says, we're all just like a bunch of sheep that have wandered away from the shepherd, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. Now, if you're a guest, you wouldn't necessarily know this, but a couple of weeks ago, we had a teaching pastor here by the name of Darren Whitehead, and he did an expose on sheep. How many of you heard that? Yeah, wasn't he great? Darren Whitehead. He'll be back this summer, actually. Looking forward to that. But he told us all about sheep, and in his expose, you know, sheep aren't the smartest animals. You, you take the shepherd away from sheep, and you put them out wandering all alone, and they are clueless. They have no hope whatsoever. And that's exactly what God says we're like in this world. When we don't know our purpose, when we don't have clear direction, we're just like those sheep. We're lost. Now, it's hard to really understand that language, especially if you haven't been acquainted with, with God's story of our lives. It's hard to understand this language of lost. I mean, what do you mean we're lost? I mean, we're put on this planet and we're doing the best we can. What do you mean lost? Well, in order to be lost, there has to be a right place to be and a wrong place to be. There has to be a place that you can consider home, right? And that's exactly right. God makes it very clear that he created for us to live in a certain place that was right. But we have all, every one of us, wandered away from that. So to truly understand our problem, why we're like Dan in living this life, have no clear sense of purpose and direction, what we have to do is we have to understand the context for our journey. 
So let's begin this whole series, Break the Mold, with the explanation. Why are we so confused? Why are we so lost? Well, it starts with understanding that God created us originally to live our lives following a certain pattern by living out a certain mold. And that original mold that we were to live out was God's image. Our original mold, the original pattern for how we would live life and experience life was God's image. Who God is was supposed to define who we are. Look at how God said it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man, mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Both men and women created to be in God's pattern, to be in God's mold, to reflect God's image. And so God's character, which is good, was supposed to be our character God being a God of love was supposed to be how we lived our lives. God, who is light and has purpose, was supposed to reflect who we are. But we ultimately don't reflect that. But you have to know that when God created us to follow his pattern, to to be poured into the mold of his image, he gave us a purpose, a very specific purpose, the place where we would experience life as he designed it to be experienced. And that purpose for our lives, for our journey was to honor him, to honor God. That was literally the reason we were put on this planet. Not because he needs our honor to be God or feel like God, but he, he wanted us to honor him because it was in that circumstance where we're trusting him and loving him and walking with him that we could experience who he is, life and love and goodness where we could know our purpose. It was to honor God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says it. Whatever we're doing, whether we're eating or drinking, whatever we're doing, we need to do it to his glory, to his honor. Once again, not because he needs our honor, but because we need him. And the only way to truly know him and experience him is to walk with him, to depend on him. And so our purpose on this planet was to reflect God's image in all of its goodness and to do it by walking with him, honoring him, worshiping him, which is one of the express reasons we gather like this right now. And then God told us what the result should be in life. And you need to know the result of, of following the pattern of God's image and walking with him and honoring him, the result is really the fulfillment of everything you're looking for in life. God defined it this way. The result of fulfilling his purpose for our lives is always good. It's to experience life itself. In fact, this is how God said it after he created us and all of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God saw all that he made and he said it was very good. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't look at this planet very often. I don't read the newspaper very often. I don't, you know, read all these stories of what's going on, watch television news and go, and it was good. Do you? I don't look at my daily life and how I live out my story very often and go, it was good. My wife certainly doesn't. So this definition of life as good is at odds with how we're experiencing life. And there's a reason for that. Though God created our original mold to be in his image, our purpose to walk with him, to honor him, to trust him, to find our life in him, and that would ultimately lead us to experiencing what only he could give us, life, goodness. That's not where we are anymore. Because you see, not long after creation, after God 
created us to follow in his footsteps, that original mold was broken. What I love about the video story, the video bumper that our team put together was that what that mannequin did with that mold of his face is exactly what we did with the original mold God gave us. It was literally dashed in pieces when Adam and Eve decided that they could do better by not fulfilling the purpose God gave them, by not patterning themselves after God, but by choosing a different pattern, by dishonoring God. And that's exactly what they did. In the face of the temptation of the evil one, Adam and Eve decided that life could be better if they didn't pursue life as God designed it, but they pursued life on their own. And so they shattered the original mold of God's image that they were created to experience life through, and they never experienced what God intended for them. But you need to know that this mold that they pursued, thinking that it was their own mold and an original mold, was not an old mold or an original mold at all. It was, it was a mold of the one who was tempting them. And so, though God created us to pour our lives into the mold of his image, Adam and Eve, by rebelling against God, actually poured themselves into a corrupted mold. A mold not in the image of God, but a mold in the image of the evil one, of Satan himself. They thought they were striking off on their own, but what they were doing was simply pouring themselves into a different mold. A poor, poor, poor mold. Satan, in Isaiah chapter 14, is revealed to us as the one who created the pattern of dishonoring God and honoring self. Lucifer was one of the great beings created by God, given great power and great beauty, but decided it wasn't good enough to be honoring God. He wanted God to honor him. And so this is the story in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Look at what it says. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth, thrown out of God's presence. You who once in God's power laid low the nations. And this is why. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. The stars of God are the angels of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And this is the phrase that puts the whole thing into clarity. I will make myself like the most high. So Lucifer, this one created to honor God in such a great way, decided that honoring God meant nothing to him. He wanted God to honor him. He didn't want to submit to God. He wanted to be his own God. I will ascend and be like the Most High. And as a result, what he did was he walked away from the only source of life there was, from God. And so all he got was death. He walked away from the only source of light there was. And so he walked in darkness. He walked away from the only source of true meaning and purpose, God. And so he walked without it. And the only way he could try and find purpose was by getting others to follow him because he wasn't God. He needed to get everyone who worshipped God worshipping him to give him any kind of credibility at all. So he came to destroy mankind. And look at how it happened in Genesis chapter 3 verses 4 and 5. God had told them, look at I've created you in my image. If you walk with me and honor me, you will experience the goodness of this creation. But if you walk away, you'll die. Look at Genesis 3, 4 and 5. The evil one says, you'll not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of the tree that he's telling you not to eat of, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Does that sound familiar? What did he want? He wanted to be his own God, so what did he tempt them with? You can be your own God. 
You, you don't have to do what this God wants. He's trying to hold you back. You can be your own God. You don't have to lower your life to the meager existence he's going to give you. You can rise to the level of anything you want to do. You can be your own God. And so this whole thing's not original. He laid down this pattern. So we have two patterns in this world. The pattern of God's image and then the pattern of the evil one's image. Now you need to know that both of them have a purpose but one purpose has meaning. The other purpose has no meaning at all. The purpose of the corrupted image, the corrupted model, Satan's image, is simple. Honor self. Honor self. Whereas God created us to honor him and in so doing we would have life and goodness and love. We would be creating a world according to his words that was good. Satan was coming and saying, don't honor God, don't honor anyone else, honor self. Look at how he said it in Genesis 3, 6. It says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. There's the purpose of the corrupted mold. Because she said, all of a sudden, I saw the fruit of the tree was good for food. For who? For her. She saw that it was pleasing to the eye. Whose eye? Her eye. It was maybe good for pleasure. God was holding out on her. And then it says desirable for gaining wisdom. She could become greater without God than with him. She could become her own God. And so to honor self, she took some and ate it. Now, and here's what's interesting to me. When we seek to do our own thing as human beings, and we have a tendency to do this, don't we? We have a tendency to do our own thing. And when we seek to do our own thing, when we seek to go our own way, we think we're expressing our own unique individuality. In fact, we harbor words like this. We claim that we're not followers, we're mavericks. We're not dependent, we're independent. In fact, we start saying stuff like, we prefer marching to our own drumbeat, right? And we have all these sayings for why we break out on our own and we decide to go our own way and do our own thing. But have you ever noticed how all the people who claim to be expressing their individuality look, think, and act the same? It's weird, everybody, I'm just being an individual. Then how come you're doing what everybody else is doing? I'm just being an individual. But they're looking and acting and thinking just like everyone else. And here's the reason. They are conforming to the same exact mold. There are only two molds. You can conform to the image of God or you can conform to the image of the evil one. The image of God leads us to honor God and leads us to that which is good. But the image of the evil one leads us to honor self, which always leaves us empty, which always leaves us living a meaningless existence, lost in the big woods of life. And you know what the result is? It's not what we hope for. Eve is a perfect example of this. The reason that she decided to dishonor God instead of honor him, the reason she decided to pour herself in the pattern of the evil one instead of God himself is because she thought it would make her life better. That food is the best food in the world and he won't let me have it. That will bring me more pleasure than anything else in this universe. It will make me greater in my life than I could ever be with him. And so she went that way. But the only problem, it was a great lie. The result of patterning yourself after the evil one and Adam and Eve 
isn't that it makes your life better, it's that it makes your life worse. It doesn't leave you with the word good, it leaves you with the word that we have when we watch the news and we live our lives today. It's bad. It's death. It's destruction, it's devastation, it's despair, it's darkness, it's grief, it's loss. I mean, this is exactly what they were dealing with. And just know this, this is exactly what God promised. It's exactly what he promised. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When you choose that tree, you're choosing to honor self instead of honor me. You're choosing your own path instead of the path I created for you. And when you eat of it, you will surely, what's that word? It's not a surprise that when you follow the pattern of the evil one, you get the same result as the evil one. Cast out of God's presence, nothing you were created for. You lose everything and gain nothing. It's not a surprise when you pour yourself into the pattern of Adam and Eve that you find exactly what they found. Regret and shame and guilt and loss. And yet, how are we living our lives? We are living our lives in the pattern of the evil one instead of the pattern of God. We are pouring ourselves into the mold of the evil one instead of the mold of God. And let me prove it to you. Just picture for yourself your marketplace setting, wherever that is. Is your marketplace setting, wherever it is, driven by the desire to honor God or by the desire to honor self? Each of your fellow employees, or if you're an employer, the people who work for you, or if you're one of the people who work for your employer, your employer, is that place driven by each person trying to honor themselves or by each person trying to honor God? I bet you it's honor self. Makes for a great workplace, doesn't it? Our political structures, it's all geared for honoring God, right? No, it's all geared for honoring self. They'll make any promise in the world, regardless of what party they're from, so that they can get power. Why? Because it's about honoring self. And some people do some good with it. But most people do a lot of good for themselves, but in so doing, do no good at all. Think if you would of every setting of life, even many of our families, where everybody is fighting for self instead of fighting for something bigger than that, no wonder we're living in a world of darkness and despair instead of a world of light and hope. It's because we're pouring ourselves into the wrong mold, and it's exactly what God told us we would get. Now, I don't know about you, but so far I'm feeling really good about this talk. I mean, it's just lifting me up. My spirits are high. This is discouraging crap. But there's good news in it all. Because God really does have a solution. He really does. And it's a simple solution to say. It's a difficult solution to weave into the fabric of our lives because we're so used to living one pattern that it's really hard to live the other. And so here's God's solution. I'm going to give it to you and then we'll talk about it. In fact, this whole series is going to be based upon it. There are two molds. God's original mold, honoring him, walking with him, experiencing the goodness of the life he created for us or the evil one's mold, the corrupted mold where we honor self and live ourself and try to do the best for ourselves and we never get what we really want. We always get destruction, devastation. And so, here's God's solution. Break the mold. Break the mold. 
There's a saying, it's a simple cliche, but it has, I think, a lot of relevant power to it. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And this is exactly the problem. We keep doing what we've always done, expecting different results. Now, don't misunderstand me. We do it in different ways, in different languages. A lot of people who don't go to church start coming to church thinking, that'll change everything. No, because many people who come to church are still pouring themselves in the same old pattern. They're just doing it with a different language and in different names. They're singing different songs and hanging out with different people. But it's still all about themselves. Think about most people's prayer lives. Are most people's prayer lives about honoring God or are most people's praying totally about honoring self? Most of us pray not for the world to be better, but for my life to be better. We're not praying for our neighbors to have safe vacations. We don't even care if they have vacations. We're praying for us to have safe vacations. And what we do is we we literally transfer the same old corrupted mold into a Christian or spiritual experience. But if you always do what you always got, it doesn't matter what culture, what language, what songs you're singing. You're always going to get the same exact thing. So God tells us, break the mold, break the mold, pour yourself into a different pattern. Now, I'm going to let him do his own talking, okay? In fact, I'm going to break a very typical pattern here at Northridge Church, and I'm going to actually, in one sitting, in one talk, read more than one verse at a time in hopes that you'll stay awake anyway. You know? Because I've read long passages before, and it works better than Ambien on some of you. I mean, bye-bye, she goes. It's one of the reasons we serve coffee, you know? But I'm going to give you a longer passage and read through it because it's vital. It forms the entire basis for this series that we're going to be delving into. This series that I think can transform our lives. Because we're not just changing the clothes we wear. We're not just changing the culture we're in. We're not just changing the songs we sing. We're not just changing what we do on Saturday night or Sunday morning every week. We're, we're literally going to break the mold. It's because God tells us it'll change our lives. So you ready for this longer passage? Y'all ready? Three people. Thank you. That's awesome. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 17. Paul the apostle, whose life was transformed, who broke the mold, says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. I'm not just going to tell you. Man, I'm urging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging with you in the name of the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, notice he's talking to people who already claim Jesus. He's talking to people who already claim truth. He's talking to people who already call themselves Christians. And he's saying, I'm urging you, I'm insisting on, in the name of the Lord, would you stop living the same old pattern inside the church that you lived outside the church? Would you stop living according to the same corrupted mold of the evil one in the name of Jesus instead of living the new mold? Break the mold. Then he goes on and says, you keep patterning yourself after them, but you need to know when you copy them, you copy the futility of their thinking. The reason their lives are messed up, their choices are messed up, is because their thinking's messed up. Stop being like them. They're darkened in their understanding and thus separated from the life of God. The original life that God created and called good were separated from him and that life. Why? Because we are honoring self instead of honoring him. We've messed up our relationship with God and we need to stop living like that. 
And then it goes on and says, stop being like them because of the ignorance that is in them. It's due to the hardening of their hearts. The reason their lives and love is so messed up is because their hearts are so messed up. Stop trying to be like them. Stop copying them. And then it goes on. They've literally lost all sensitivity. They no longer really care. They no longer feel empathy for one another. They've lost all sensitivity because they're too busy honoring self. They've given themselves over to full sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Of course they have a continual lust for more because nothing fills them up. Nothing gives them life. It keeps giving them less and less and less. So their will is messed up. Their desires are messed up. Their choices are messed up. It's a big deal. And it never leads to the good that they're wanting. It always leads to the death, destruction, and devastation that they're trying to overcome and avoid. When we pour ourselves into their mold, the result is always bad. And here's the sad thing. Often in my daily life and often as I view your daily lives, we keep pouring ourselves into their mold instead of the mold of Jesus. It's killing us. And he's saying, stop it. Then he says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Now, this is important. These people came to know Christ, and yet they're still living the same pattern. I am here to tell you, just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you're experiencing Christ. Just because you come to a church, any church, a church like this, doesn't mean you're experiencing Christ. Just because you've said a couple of prayers here and there doesn't mean you're experiencing Christ. Because these people were saying all the right words and doing all the right things and going to all the right places and wearing all the right clothes. And you know what was going on? They were still pouring themselves into the pattern of the evil one. No wonder there's a problem in this world. He's saying, don't do it. That's not how you came to know Jesus Christ. He says, surely you've heard of him. You were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. All truth abides in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, that old pattern and mold you were in, to put off that old self. It's once again why I love the video that our team did because he's jumping off that, that conveyor belt and he's saying, I refuse to be patterned this way anymore. And he broke that prototype mask because he says, that old former life, which was corrupted by its deceitful desires, which is copying the pattern of the world, I'm done with that. And he says, and you're supposed to be made new in the attitude of your mind. You're supposed to think different. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to put on the new self, created to be like God. Whoa, created to be like God. In other words, go back to the original model, the one in God's image, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That whole passage, how many are you still with me? Okay, and we're here on the front row. Thank you very much, I appreciate it. Okay, Uh, you know what that whole passage, every part of that passage is saying? You ready? Break the mold. Don't just change your language. We're getting the Jesus language thing down. We even say Jesus now. Don't just change your habits at dinner time where now you might even say a prayer at dinner time. God is good. God is great. Thank you for the food we ate. Oh, that's so good. We're not just talking about changing the radio stations you look to and the TVs and how you come off and your, all that different junk. No. Break the mold. Stop patterning yourself after the evil one that's all about honoring self and instead allow God to repattern your life after his image again so that you can experience life as he designed it to be good. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, man, I'm really wanting 
that to be my life, good. That doesn't mean all good things will happen. It doesn't mean I'll never go through the valley of the shadow of a death. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means no matter what my experience is, I can experience light within and love within and goodness within. I don't have to be lost. I don't have to be like Dan in that dumb game show where I'm going through the motions, but I have no clue why I'm here. And neither do you. We can define our lives as good, but we have to break the mold. Now, this whole series is going to delve into the, the different principles that we have to weave in the fabric of our life for it to happen. But, but let me end this talk with some good news for you, okay? There's some hopeful news, some hopeful, because this talk has so far been really discouraging, okay? So here's some good news. Ready? Jesus makes this new story possible. I've tried over and over again. I've tried by rejecting God and accepting God. I've tried by being irreligious and religious. I've tried by being reverent and irreverent. I've tried in every way imaginable to rewrite my story. And my story is always the same thing. I tend to live for myself, hurt other people, try and help myself, but I lose in the long run. I keep trying it over and over and over again. Don't you? This is what religion does. It, it promises us that we can do it, but God has already said we can't. And so then we reject religion, thinking that that will help us do it, and that doesn't happen. So we change philosophy after philosophy, and job after job, and relationship after relationship, and nothing ever gets us there. It sounds like a fairy tale. Most people give up on it as a dream, but it's not a dream, and it's not a fairy tale. But you have to understand, only Jesus makes it possible. Only Jesus makes it possible. Without Jesus, we can't get there. We can't do it. And I'll explain why throughout the course of the series and today. You need to know that this is not a fairy tale beyond your reach. This is something Jesus has made easy for you to grab, but it's in Jesus. In fact, know this about Jesus. Jesus is the pattern for the life that we're supposed to live. He's the pattern. He's the mold. He's the one we should be following and listening to and being like, Jesus is the pattern. God even says it through Paul in Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predetermined that this would be what they would become, conformed to the likeness of his son. God has predetermined that our whole purpose in life should be to pattern ourselves after Jesus, to conform to his likeness so that he could be the firstborn among many brothers. He's the first example that we're to follow. But there's a problem. I can't live like Jesus. Can any of you? Jesus isn't just the pattern. It's not enough to try and be like him. Jesus is also the means. The means. Jesus is the pattern we're to follow, but since we can't follow his pattern, he is the means when he lives in us. Look at how the Bible says it in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul the apostle who tried and tried through religion and all the different stuff, didn't get there, and then finally he found it in Christ. And he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, it's no longer the life that I'm driving. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now this is a big deal. Jesus is the pattern we're to follow but the only way to follow his pattern is for him to live in us. All of us have already failed, but he died on the cross so our failures could be forgiven. That's why he died. And when we put our faith in him, we die with him there and all of our junk. And then when he bursts forth from that tomb, we get that new life and we have a new life. Jesus is the pattern. Jesus is the means. We can live out this new story. You have a choice. You really do. Do you want the original pattern, God's image that leads to the good life? Or do you want the evil one's mold 
that always leads to more loss. It's your choice. But that's exactly what it is. It's a choice. Because though Jesus has made this story possible for us, most people aren't experiencing the story, right? Why? Because choice is what makes it reality. Choice makes it reality. I have to choose to set aside the former life to stop following that pattern and to start following God's pattern. I have to make the choice, and so do you. And so as we end this weekend's introduction talk to this deal, I want to encourage you with two choices. You have to make a choice or nothing will change. You have to choose to break the mold or nothing will change. So here's the first choice. You need to choose to receive Jesus for the very first time. Not to receive religion, but to receive Jesus. You know, a lot of people think it's about communion or baptism or catechism. A lot of people think it's about, you know, changing the way we talk and think. It's not. It's about receiving Jesus. Have you ever done that? It's about going from honoring yourself and pursuing God for yourself and instead pursuing God for himself and honoring him. Receive him. Look at John 1.12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name, who start honoring and trusting and depending on him. I want to give a real story that flows right out of this service. We purposely did that song, Dust in the Wind. Yeah, it's one of my favorite 70s tunes, but it's not one of my favorite 70s lyrics. I mean, talk about wanting to get out the razor blades, listen to that song, seriously. You know, it's like, we're just dust in the wind, life's meaningless, life's clueless, my name is Dan and I'm playing a game show. I mean, really, it's awful. Life is meaningless. The guy who wrote that um, was experiencing life as dust in the wind, just being blown around. His name was Kerry Livgren, is Kerry Livgren. And he wrote it because he said his life seemed meaningless, clueless, always lost, without direction. But then he found Jesus. And he realized, wow, Jesus makes a new life possible. Jesus is the pattern and Jesus is the means. And you know what he did? He, he made that first choice to receive Jesus, to put his dependence and trust in him and changed his life forever. He no longer thinks life's just dust in the wind. Uh, the lead singer for Kansas, who sang the song, John Elefante, also became a Christ follower and now uses the voice that used to express in haunting terms the fact that life is meaningless. He sings now songs that says life has great meaning in Jesus, but the way he found it was by making a choice. And I'm just going to tell you, a lot of us come and we listen, a lot of us hear the stories and know the stories, and then we leave, but we never do what we have to do to break the mold. We have to make the choice. You're not choosing religion, you're not choosing me, you're not choosing Northridge Church, you're not choosing a new culture, you're choosing Jesus and he will break the mold. Have you done it? This is your moment. Just before I end this talk with the final point of application for you, I'm just gonna ask you if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer. And those of you watching Church Online, I hope that you'll engage this as well and consider where you stand in this. Just, just bow just for a moment. If you're here and you're going, you know, I may be religious or irreligious. I may be into the Christian culture or not into the Christian culture, but this I know. I've not broken the mold of the pattern that's messed up my life. And today I want to break that mold by making that first choice to receive Jesus. Receive him. Put your faith in him. And I'm going to pray. And you can just take my words if you want to and make them yours. 
but it has to be the expression of your wishes. Just say to God, Jesus, in this moment, I'm turning from trusting myself in my own way to trusting you in your way. In this moment, I'm receiving you. I, I've, I've messed up my life. I've sinned against you, but you died on that cross for my sin. Forgive me. You rose again to give me new life and a new hope, and I'm choosing that by faith. Make me a child of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, just quickly, we've put together a letter that can help you find some next steps that you can find relevant in your walk with God. And we just want to tell you what they are. And so, if you prayed with me, I want to encourage you, you take out that program that we handed you as you came in, and inside is a little perforated card. It's our connection card, we call it. It's a little deal. You just rip out. And you fill it out, and on the bottom it says, Today I prayed to receive Jesus Christ in my life. This does not give us ownership over your life. We're not going to come and attack you and ask for dinner this week or anything like that. This is just a way that we can send a letter of information to you about next steps you can take in your journey with God. There are boxes at every exit. You just conveniently throw it in there, and we'll send you that letter. If you're watching church online, hit the What Next button on there, and we'll do the same thing for you. At one event that we tell you about is an event that's actually happening this Friday night. Uh, it's called Discover Northridge. And what we do is we lay out the basic principles of what it means to truly follow Jesus and know Jesus. And then how we here at Northridge are trying to uniquely help people to engage that journey in a way that's relevant to them here in the 21st century. And we'd love to have you come. We serve a dinner. I do the teaching. And it's just a wonderful time to connect. And all you have to do is come. You can fill out that connection card, the same one I just told others about. And on the back it says Discover Northridge. Sign up for it. Hand it in. You're there. Or you can go online, Discover Northridge, or you can just show up. And uh, we'll cook you a hot dog because we won't have a meal ready for you. But uh, you, bottom line, it's a great event. We'd love to have you. Finally, here's how I want to end this talk. Look at John chapter 15, verse 5. This is Jesus talking. He says, I'm the vine. He always used pictures. He says, I'm the source of life. Boy, it goes back to creation, doesn't it? He breathed in us the breath of life. I'm the vine. I'm the source of life. I'm where you have to come for life. You are the branches. And he says, if a man remains in me and I in him, they'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He's simply saying, look it, a branch without a vine is dead. A branch without a vine is dead. There's no life. There's no joy. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. And you know how most of us are trying to live our lives? Because we're pouring ourselves into the old corrupted model of the evil one. We're trying to find life without the source of life. We're trying to find love and hope without the source of love and hope. Well, you can't do it. You're just a dead branch. It's, it's worthless. But he says, if you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. You'll experience what God said this creation was. Good. So what's our last choice that I want to encourage you to make this weekend? It's a daily choice. It's not a first choice. It's a daily choice. You need to make the daily choice to remain in him every day to honor him, to please him, to trust him, to depend on him. And as you do, you're going to find his life, his goodness, his love flowing through you. I'm telling you, there are two moles to live by. One leads to goodness and one leads to devastation. The choice is yours. Daily make it. Live Jesus. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.